We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. NBA most valuable player, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis trailing the lob. Hey there, welcome to Binge the Bucks, a special narrative podcast series focusing on the Milwaukee Bucks 2019 playoff run, part of the Eurostep podcast. I'm Ty Windish, and I'm here with Rohan Kadi and our first Binge the Bucks special guest to break down game three in the first series in the Bucks 2019 playoff run. This is a 119-103 victory over the Detroit Pistons. This podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag. And the Eurostep is proudly a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. This was the closest game of the series. The Bucks won by <laughs> just 16. Uh, it was also Blake's Griffin's triumphant return to honor Detroit, who did sort of try valiantly in this series. We've got Lazarus Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys and Pistons versus everybody. Laz, how's it going? Um, I'm great. It's good to be on the podcast. It sucks that we got to talk about something that's so painful to me, but we can still we can still power through it. <laughs> and Rohan is here as well. Rohan, how are you doing? You know, I'm doing all right. I think I think last time when we talked about games one and two, I might have gone a little too in <laughs> on the yeah, Pistons. I'll, I'm curious to see if an act like a Pistons representative in Lads is gonna maybe maybe have you slow down a little bit. Yeah, that's, you that's getting... what I was about to say. Maybe I maybe I'll have to maybe I'll have to cut it back a little bit. <laughs> um so I mean without further ado, I think we might as well just jump into this thing. I believe Rohan, you you have a a sort of primer for to set the stage for this game. Yeah, it's just it's a lot of 
it's it's mostly about Blake, like you said. Like Blake was having an All NBA season, and he's coming back. He's he's doing it for Detroit because he was hurt. He was came, come back, and he was on like half a knee, if he even had any knees left. Uh, when he came back and started playing in this game, you could see he was just in so much pain and so much discomfort. But he was still powering through it, powering through it for the team, for the city, who was having their first home playoff game in like two seasons, I think. Um, so yeah, it was, it was very exciting time for Detroit because this was if, like, this was the game where they needed to win if they wanted to have a chance in the series, because if you're down 2-0 and then you get on 3-0, it's over. Yeah. So I wanted to, this is the first thing I wanted to ask you about Laz. I mean, obviously the Bucks up 2-0, it's a 1-8 series, Bucks pretty overwhelming favorites. I mean, winning both the home games only cements that further, but Blake coming back, you know, from my, obviously not a Pistons fan perspective, but just general NBA watcher. It did seem maybe unnecessary, maybe a little risky. It also did seem like kind of a cool thing for the Pistons to have, you know, their guy, their new franchise player, fight through injuries to play in these playoff games. From that perspective, it does seem cool. Looking back on this, what were you feeling on the rewatch and originally when this series happened about Blake returning for this game? Oh, man. Originally, so I was actually in Detroit for game three and I went to the game. And so I I was there. Um, they had uh, like a Pistons Twitter meetup thing, so we did that before the game. Uh, met a bunch of people I had, I had like only seen through their Twitter avatar, so that was really cool. But we didn't know if Blake was going to play until he was like announced in the starting lineup. Oh wow! And and so when he was announced, like that was the loudest I had ever heard like LCA ever be. And I've been there for I was there in the opening night uh, when. It, the first regular season game. I was there for the first playoff game. Like that was legitimately like the most engaged crowd uh, in Detroit. Like I've heard in quite some time. So that was really exciting. So it did mean a lot for like the team and the city for Blake to even like suit up and play. And, you know, obviously (laughs) uh, it hasn't worked out. Like the, the injury continued to linger into this season uh, curtailed uh, the, you know, 2019, 2020 season. We'll see what he looks like next season, whenever whenever that occurs. But um, you know, for that one, for those two games, like for that one moment, it really did mean a lot to uh, to the team in the city. Um, unfortunately, you know, it meant uh, meant a lot to Dwayne Casey as well, and he was liver- he was using Blake like Blake was fully healthy, and he very clearly wasn't. You know, I was rewatching the the game today or you know, like bits and pieces of it. And it was astonishing to me how many times like Casey had Blake covering Giannis. Like, no, like, don't, <laughs> don't do that. Like, that's, that's a terrible idea. Why would you do that? Um, and so many times when, you know, even Blake at, you know, 60% or whatever was still, you know, the only good thing the Pistons had going for them on offense. You know, he put up 27, uh, seven and six, but like he did it on 24 shots and he was the only player on the team to shoot 20 plus times. Right. Like they were, they were using him like he was, you know, all pro NBA, you know, game 35, Blake, not like one and a half, 1.15 knees, Blake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To be fair to Blake in the situation, I didn't realize that he had taken 24 shots until you said that right then. Um, because it yeah. just felt like he was being used as like his normal number one option sort yeah. of thing. Because that's what 
that's what Detroit needed because in the first two games they kind of they they got smoked, and then when you have your All NBA player returning, you're kind of like help, please. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you're right, but uh, you know there was a lot of diminishing returns, right? Like he yeah. was very clearly like way worse in the second half than he was in the first half. Um, there was there were a couple of moments where he's still like out there like diving for loose balls where you're like gritting your teeth and wincing and like. <laughs> Hoping if he, you know, you don't even know if he's gonna like get up off the floor, um, but you know, Luke Kennard had had a a really effective series up to that point, but uh, you so you had hoped that like between him and like uh, looking really spry Reggie Jackson, you'd be able to take off like some of the offensive load from Blake and just kind of let him uh, don't force everything on him. But no, like they they did what they had done the entire season. They you know posted up Blake on the left block, surrounded him with shooters and kind of just waited and you know it was uh about as effective as it was going to be against uh, a milwaukee team that's uh it uh, was as good defensively as that one was i think one of the my favorite blake griffin things to like kind of think about and, and look at is he was really limited not limited might be a bad word but like he was on a chris paul offense for such a long time and obviously if you're on a chris paul team it's a Chris Paul offense. Like Chris Paul is doing everything and, and you're kind of just fitting into spaces around Chris Paul. And like the only times Blake would actually get to really create, it felt like where when CP was out, when he was a Clipper and it just seems so funny to me that Blake gets his own team and immediately. And obviously, you know, Dwayne Casey and everybody else plays a role in this, but basically just becomes Chris Paul on the low block. Like the, the offense is just, it went from when he was a Clipper, he had to sit there and watch Chris Paul so much. Blake now as a piston was like, you know what? I want to have the ball every single time. Let's let me try doing this for a little while. I've always thought that was like a funny little, uh, I don't know. I don't know what the right expression is. Like, you know, what goes around comes around that, that doesn't work. There's a better expression. There's a better way to put it in words, but that's just always something. And it like, like you guys have talked about his high usage and everything in this game as necessary as it was, that will always be a little fun in me. He kind of went from not being able to do anything to being the guy who doesn't let Luke Kennard or whoever else do anything. Yeah, and like the the that was that's something that was kind of uh like a undercurrent throughout the entire season, right? It was like Luke Kennard is a guy who is more effective with the ball in his hands, but if he has the ball, Blake doesn't, and you would rather have Blake have the ball. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, those two guys just never really found a way to work in tandem. Um, you know, Luke only shot nine times, had nine points after averaging like 20 points for the first two playoff games. Uh, he only had one three point attempt, which was crazy to me. Um, just like even just staring at the box score since, uh, you, you know, if you're surrounding, uh, Blake with shooters, you would expect like Luke to be one of the more like deadly spot up guys around that. And uh, that just didn't happen. And uh, but the other thing was right like after the first two games, the Bucks started taking Luke seriously as an offensive threat, and so they they really they really did a good job of taking him out of the game. Sterling Brown uh, started on him, uh, if I remember correctly. Like Pat Connaughton was doing an amazing job of just like hounding him off ball and uh, getting him not letting him like get to his spots. He was killing the Bucks from like the the mid range, getting into like his little elbow jumper, and Pat wasn't having any of that. And so, yeah, it was just like if you if you didn't have uh, Blake at 100 percent and you didn't have the guy who had been going off in the series playing well, like it was it was going to be an uphill battle. 
It was, but despite all that going for the Bucks, and we'll go to the quarter by quarter here, Detroit still starts off pretty well. Um, this is something I did not remember, but looking back, like you said, Little Caesars Arena was hype. The Pistons start out first up 5-0, then up 7-0. The guy who kept the Bucks in this thing, uh, and eventually Milwaukee does end the quarter with, with a pretty solid 8-point lead. Eric Bledsoe was good, for sure. Chris Middleton hit at least a 3 Ersan Ilyasova leads the first quarter, leads the game in scoring in the first quarter. Ersan with nine first quarter points going off. I look back at this. I, I don't know if Rohan or maybe Laz, you guys remember this better than me. I did not remember Ersan, of all people, being the guy to kind of stabilize the Bucks and make sure they were they were winning. But if, if you take away Ersan's scoring, the Pistons won the first quarter. Ersan was the difference. This felt like a fever dream, and looking back, like, it kind of all connected. I was like, oh, that's right. But this was not something before rewatching that I would have looked back and been like, oh, yeah, that was the, the Ursan quarter that kept the Bucks in that one. I think we've I think we've sort of forgotten that Ursan like used to be a capable three point shooter. Yeah. Uh, you know, just everything prior to the season. Like he hit three threes in that quarter. He has hit three threes in a game exactly one time Ooh. since then. Do you know when it was? Uh, December twenty eighth against Orlando where he started for Giannis. Oh, yeah, that's right. Wow. So, yeah, the, the Ursan first quarter. But still, like, I feel like this wasn't a terrible quarter for Detroit. I mean, the Pistons were going on runs. Um, they had a lead with about four minutes left in the first quarter before Chris swished a three. Chris swished is not a uh, not a two-word pairing I should put together anymore. But this, like, wasn't a bad first quarter for Detroit. They couldn't hold the lead. The Bucks were just a little bit too good. But it was interesting to see... Um, the Pistons, you know, they, they were they were in this game, I think, kind of throughout, but definitely in this first quarter. Yeah, Reggie Jackson and Wayne Ellington hitting like two threes apiece in the quarter was huge. They All of them were so difficult shots, and they just they felt like just backbreakers for the Bucks, even though they were like still had a lead, but it still felt like, oh, it's going to be this sort of game. Yeah, I, the thing when you guys said Ersan, you know, had a big quarter, the thing I remember was just like how bad Andre Drummond was in this mm-hmm. quarter for Detroit. Uh, this is like kind of the story of Andre Drummond, right? Like would you, uh, he, when he's trying too hard to have too uh, big of an impact on the game, it makes him a, a less effective player. And, you know, you look at the, the first quarter, he was getting everything block, blocked by uh, Brooke Lopez, uh, missing tip backs, um, not getting out on guys like Ursan and Brooke Lopez. Lopez also had a couple threes, I think, this quarter. Um and so yeah, it's just like when when I think about Ursan, uh, you know, making shots, I think about like Andre getting the hand up too late, and uh, no one being available inside to get the rebound anyway, so it didn't matter. But yeah, um, but you know, the shooting of Ellington and Jackson was kind of the thing you you hope to lean on uh, to keep pace, and you know, it kind of didn't happen. <laughs> this was this was a hard series for Andre Drummond. This might have been. Four of the worst Andre Drummond games he's ever had since he be, since Greg Monroe left Detroit. Shout out to Greg Monroe. Um, that, it's a hard it's a hard matchup. Yeah, it is. It's really really hard. Because like, yeah, we've talked we talked about this like sort of in like the game one game two episodes. Where it's just it's sort of hard to be a physical presence against Milwaukee against Brook Lopez and Giannis. Like it's it's you can't win that battle. Yeah, and he makes his living. You know, if you, his idealized version is like making his living. Uh, in the pick and roll at the rim, 
But if the Bucks are just if you got Brook Lopez dropping and uh, seeding all these floaters and, and these paint runners, um, there's there's no opportunity for him to to make an impact on the offensive glass because you know they're walling off the paint and everything, and there's not a lot of opportunity to get him the ball in the pick and roll because you know Brook Lopez is one of the best uh, paint defenders in the league, and so it just he he was very frustrated that he could not make. Uh, an impact offensively and then defensively you know you're asking him a lot cover a lot of ground you're asking him to you know close out on shooters you're asking him to stay to venture out of the paint and outside of the uh the rebounding area which is what what he likes to be in and so it's just like yeah it's just a really really difficult matchup for Andre Drummond yeah yeah Yeah, I would uh, not oh no go ahead Ron no it's just this was the start of a what was going to be like a very bad game for Giannis because mm-hmm. he did not score he only took two shots and one of them was a three like he he just wasn't getting anything going and it was just indicative of what sort of game it was going to be yeah that is a, a good teaser um we will we will get back to Giannis's struggles his worst game of the probably his worst game of the postseason definitely his worst game of the series without without looking too hard at it. But first, folks, with currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on outside of whatever playoff run we will do next for Binge the Bucks. You can't really bet on that right now. Maybe you could quietly. But even in addition to that, you'd be wrong. There are other things to bet on. Our exclusive partner, betonline.ag, still has hundreds of sports, events, and games to wager on. And you can also let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. All open 24 hours a day, all completely online, including their $750,000 poker series. If you're into props and entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the weather. Visit their website and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. No longer a 50% bonus, a 100% Welcome bonus. Be sure to use promo code BLUEWIRE. That's all one word, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. BetOnline.com, your online wagering experts. All right, let's get to the second quarter. As you mentioned earlier, Rohan, Giannis did not have a good game. Uh, he was uh, The word I used was flummoxed. Uh, his line, 14 points, 10 rebounds, 5 for 13 shooting, 4 turnovers, so only one more made field goal than turnovers, 5 fouls. Does anyone want to guess uh, who drew the most fouls on Giannis? I feel like it's pretty pretty apparent from from the feelings these two players have for each other even now. Was it Ish Smith? It was not <laughs> Ish Smith. <laughs> it was not Ish Smith. It was Blake Griffin. It was Blake, Blake, yeah. Blake drew three of the five fouls. The other two were one from Reggie Jackson, one from Andre Drummond. And, and looking back at this, I tweeted about this earlier today as we record this on Saturday. Um no love lost between uh, Blake Griffin and Giannis. Obviously, Blake uh, steps over Giannis this this season, this past season, whatever, um, which gets Chris Middleton pretty upset, which is one of my all-time favorite Chris-Giannis moments, honestly. It's just Chris is, like, waving the hand. Like, he's really making some great points to the whole Pistons team and just love to see guys stepping up for each other after they step over each other. But back to this game. Um, Blake did a good job on Giannis. Blake did a really good job on Giannis. He got Giannis pissed off, which would not go as well for his team in game four of this series, but uh, he did well. He he drew fouls. It kind of looked, it was kind of reminiscent of the way Al Horford defended Giannis the year before, just like 
be very solid, make Giannis be too aggressive, make Giannis make mistakes. And for the most part, it worked. And that was kind of a theme throughout this game, second quarter and, and the rest of it too. Yeah, I think that it really just points to Giannis's evolution year over year that, you know, the way that Blake was playing him was like, you know, stand beneath the free throw line and wait. And that's something that you can no longer do with him uh, anymore. And you can really just see how he internalized like the lessons of that entire playoff run into his game this year and just became a better player. Um, But yeah, like, you know, Blake was on him at times. They started the quarter with Blake on him. Um, Andre came in. uh, They employed the same defensive strategy. Andre did uh, a not bad job of of staying in front of Giannis. But uh, yeah, that doesn't... But, you know, when the Bucks still were playing five out or, you know, four in, uh, four out, one in with Giannis being the one, Giannis being the driver, you know, and still having trouble, like, getting out to shooters and having guys like, you know, Ersan and, uh, and Eric Bledsoe, like, knocking down shots and Miritich hit a couple shots, like, you're, you're still losing that, that mathematics battle, you know. And so despite the fact that, you know, Blake was able to maybe bait Giannis into a couple turnovers and... Uh, you know, hold him to uh, a limited number of shot attempts. Uh, you know, obviously the Bucks were still finding success offensively. Yeah, it yeah, just, it, yeah, it seemed like it was just, yeah, like you were saying, he was just throwing Giannis off a little bit. And it's just, it's fun to see these two go at each other because it seems like, it seems like Blake takes Giannis sort of personally because he sort of reminds him of his younger self, maybe. Ooh. Wow, Psych- psychologist Rohan in the, in the booth right now, dropping some takes. Because it's like, what what is the perception of Giannis? I'm not going to say it's just actual Giannis in his game. It's just like an athletic guy who's just he's got like, no moves. He's got no skill. You know, he's just he just runs and dunks the ball because he's seven feet tall. Um, <laughs> but that's like like all of Blake Griffin's like highlights from his like Clipper days are just like based on his athleticism so he's just seeing Giannis come on the scene it's like no this used to be me I'm gonna take this matchup personally and sort of get in his head a little bit because it it seems like like admittedly I didn't watch like Blake on the Pistons as much as I do Giannis on the bikes but it seems like Blake really took this matchup more seriously than any other one yeah Blake Blake was really trying very hard to like be a leader and be a very important part of this team and part of being a leader and part of being like an all NBA guy is going at the other team's best guys. And, uh, you know, despite his limited, you know, physical ability, um, you, you can kind of tell that there's no love loss between those two guys. Um, yeah. Is, I don't know if the, like the pop psychology thing of like, he reminds me of, of me when I was younger. <laughs> it's like, if only he had a Chris Paul to screw up his earlier career, we'd be straight. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know about that. But yeah, I definitely you can definitely tell that Blake tries to take it to uh, star guys just to prove a point. Yeah, I was I remember being frustrated in the moment at the the way Blake played these games. Not not from just from strictly from the Bucks homers perspective. Like man, this Blake is being kind of annoying in this series. Like he's getting on everybody's nerves a little bit. But looking back, I my my one note about Blake from this quarter. It was simply Blake carried himself like he was the baddest mf'er in the world, and he really <laughs> did. Like he came back, like the way he was like strutting, the way he was complaining about calls, like he's slamming balls down before he inbounds after the Bucks make a shot. Like 
he was really in this thing. And I, I do, I remember it, it like briefly from back then looking back, it, it hits me pretty powerfully. Like good for Blake for really being like fired up, really trying. I think the Pistons as a whole, and I, it doesn't help that they just got, you know, absolutely rocked the first two games. Of course, like there's, there's a limit to how hard anyone will compete, but like, the fact that they did get rocked like that, Blake saw those games, Blake knew what the, the stakes was, everything else. He was still out there trying this damn hard. I feel like that's something Detroit really needed in this series. And honestly, good for him. Like, I, I applaud him for really, like, he wanted this thing. Like you said, Laz, like, he wanted this damn series. He wanted to be the guy in Detroit. Not everyone wants to be the guy in Detroit. Not everyone, you know, before these days wanted to be the guy in Milwaukee, etc. So it's always nice to see you know, a legit superstar, a very famous person. He's got Kia commercials. He tells sort of funny jokes, everything else. He really wanted to be the guy in Detroit in this circumstance. It was cool to watch, as as frustrating as it also might be. No, I mean, like, and you can tell, like, when he left the game at, like, the nine-minute mark, like, I'm staring at the, <laughs> I'm staring at the, uh, like, the play-by-play, and there's just, like, a long stretch where, like, nothing happens offensively. <laughs> And like that, uh, that enables to let the Bucks kind of. It was a one point game with you know eight minutes to go in the quarter, and then the lead just kind of grows and grows and grows, and then Blake comes back, and then some stuff happens. But yeah, like he he wanted it really badly, but there was nobody else who was able to like step up and support him in that, and like that was really the the story of like the last year's Pistons, you know, the inability of the team collectively sometimes to to get behind blake yeah so the blake had 11 points in the second quarter and i just want to point out that dj wilson played three minutes in the quarter <laughs> uh because he was guarding blake griffin oh uh, the, this is the this is the fabled the fabled dj wilson is actually an elite defender take comes from this game mm-hmm. from like I don't know, maybe 10 total possessions on uh, Bucks I fans I would to this not day. say it came from this game because D, uh, DJ got cooked uh, in those three minutes. Was it game uh, four that that happened? Uh, no, I think it was earlier in the season because oh, was uh, the reason that DJ was playing in this game, like in the second quarter when Blake was out, like Blake was out there, is because of during the regular season, Bud would put DJ on Blake and actually do a decent job as a defender. But that did not really work that well in this game. Yeah, I... I like vaguely remember a regular season home game where DJ like frustrated the crap out of Blake uh, on the block like earlier in the year, but that yeah, was that was, was the game, mm-hmm. the one game that was like close, the game that came down to the Stanley Johnson three pointer, which is not a sentence I ever want to be saying. <laughs> Bucks killer Stanley Johnson. Yeah. No, that's that's so funny that that Bud Bud broke the glass on DJ. I watching this one thing I did notice. Bud did try some other stuff more often than, than I think I remember looking back in this series. To be fair to Bud, it was a good chance to try some stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's true. This wasn't exactly. <laughs> I think we'll see later in this series, as not in this not in this game series, in this podcast series, as things tighten up, we see less of that. But yeah, there was some room for experimentation here. I think I have one highlight that I wanted to talk about from this quarter. But Rohan, do you have any other second quarter stuff you want to get to? Ah, uh, no, I'm good. Chris's fadeaway on Andre Drummond, kind of like mm. fading out of bounds and back at the same time. It was an and one, and he swished the uh, the fadeaway. Just a beautiful play. Just like I know Chris was an all star this year. He wasn't the guy he he was in this season ish, this last season, whatever. Um, back then, like he wasn't 
as good as he was in this past regular season in, in that playoffs or in that regular season despite still being an all-star. But you can see glimpses of it. You can see times when he just decides he's going to make a shot. And he, looking back, I remember I, this was certainly my position then. It has not changed at all. It's only strengthened. But, man, I wish the Bucks just said, hey, do more of that stuff. You know when you, like, dribble a few times and make a three right in somebody's face and you still shoot a pretty high percentage on those looks? Maybe try doing that more than twice a game. Maybe. Maybe that could help later on. But, alas, what what can you do? Yeah, it was just it was so frustrating, like, watching this. Like, to, maybe not frustrating. Yeah, I guess a little frustrating to see how diminished of a role that Middleton had compared to this season, like the 1920 season. It's just like, why, why, why not do it then? But you know what? I think we should just appreciate that it happened eventually. Yeah. So we, we moved. We did have. Less. You know, I was gonna say we we did end this quarter with the sequence that's going to keep Thonmaker in the league, where he blocked Giannis and then had a dunk. Yeah, that, like, that oh, is. Oh yeah. Like <laughs> the the Thonmaker experiences. Remember it's that like, sequence. Playoff Thon. Hashtag Playoff Thon. Playoff Thon. Uh, and then, that is, uh, this is just is, when he got I, I, bullied by Brooke, too. So it's just like, that's the Thon Maker experience. I just, I, I just love that. Before, but like, no, I can't believe Thon requested a trade. <laughs> it's the funniest thing of all time. Not funny, but it is. I, I remember no, just it's being pretty funny. Like, gobsmacked. Yeah, it's pretty funny, too. I just love that Thon, like, every time he goes to a new team, he swindles that new team with another, like, Two minute run. We're like, oh, hey, there's something there. And then the other eighty minutes, it's like, oh, yeah. I wish he could. Do, wish he. Wish he was an NBA player. He's still young. He's but still man. developing. When he's like forty. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm saying he's, they're gonna say that until he's forty <laughs> next year. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Backtrack harder, Rohan. No, yeah. but yeah. Uh, yeah, man. Like, coaches love his energy. Coaches love the passion, and I hate the fact that he can't uh, do anything. Skill, <laughs> except for you know these like out of his mind eighty second runs when he's like the best player in the world. But oh yeah, he's gonna tantalize people for a while. I think somebody somebody's gonna buy in. I, I don't know if the Pistons are gonna keep him. I know I know they like his energy and everything, but we'll see. I would love to have him as like our version of DJ Wilson, where he just never plays. <laughs> he's like, oh hey, like yeah, we got him just in case. <laughs> yeah, break glass on thon. You know, there, things are out me. of hand. <laughs> Now you guys can have the real thing probably next season. Um, <laughs> third quarter, the Pistons. I, this is this was my takeaway from this. Like the Pistons could afford one quarter where they just let the Bucks hit a ton of shots and didn't play good enough defense while still scoring a decent amount. Like the Pistons had a couple good offensive quarters. I mean, they scored thirty, I think, in the second, but they they gave up three in a row where the Bucks scored. I think at least thirty points in the first three quarters, each of them. And, like, especially with Giannis not playing well, you just can't afford to give up more than one, maybe two quarters like that in a game. So uh, this quarter was really where the Bucks put this thing away. They have a 22-point lead heading into the final quarter. Um, Chris had a, lot of, had a lot of good shots. Sterling Brown hits a clutch three, which is so bittersweet to watch Sterling Brown do stuff well after after him really getting kind of buried on the, the depth chart. Not looking that good this season. But, man, my other note from this quarter, and I kind of just exhausted them all right away, so... We'll see how, how much you guys have on this third quarter, but Blake's passing down low was really good. He was really opening up stuff for the other Pistons, and that just seems so necessary because one of my takeaways from the first two games, outside of Luke Kennard, it felt like 80% of Detroit's points were like absolutely garbage shots that went in. Like Andre <laughs> Drummond is doing this weird like 
runner thing over Brook, and it like hits the back of the backboard super hard, but goes right in. Like Ish Smith is doing Ish Smith stuff. Like Langston Galloway is like hitting a fallaway jumper. Like it was just they only were able to get hard looks, and that's not a way you can beat the Bucks. Blake gave them some easy looks, and that's obviously what they needed. They really missed that, but again, just not enough when they could not stop Milwaukee's offense. Yeah, there was there was a little stretch in the middle of the third quarter where Eric Bledsoe, on two straight possessions, got two mm. straight uncontested dunks. Yeah, um, that's not good. The first time is because Zaza set a screen on Reggie Jackson at the top of the key. Uh, <laughs> uh, and the second time is because uh, Luke Kennard double-teamed Chris in the paint while Pat Connaughton had the ball. Uh, so they just left Bledsoe wide open. Like, he had the entire left side of the floor to himself. Uh, so that was two straight possessions, and that's like when you're when you're doing stuff like that, it's kind of hard to w- win anything. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean that actually brings me to what I was going to bring up from this quarter was that like Zaza entered the game at the, like the nine forty one mark of the third quarter, and I think it was because uh, Andre was in foul trouble. Not to say that on, again, Andre did not have a great game this game. But, like, if, if Zaza's playing, like, a six-minute stretch in the third quarter, like, that's probably a bad sign. <laughs> do, you, do you know what our, our only Zaza thoughts were from this series, Les? Don't have him injure Giannis. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> keep, keep Zaza away from everyone who's important. <laughs> like, if Zaza's out there, put out, like, the last five guys on the depth chart. Like, those should be the DJ Wilson minutes. Get Tim Frazier some run. We did. We did get Tim Frazier in this game, although less of Tim Frazier. Oh, Zaza! You to be fair, yeah. I was when when this entire like discussion was happening like last during during the playoffs last season. I was thinking like Zaza must like these guys. He played with them for a while, you know. But it's also yeah. like, does that yeah. matter? And he did set the screen for Bledsoe, so maybe he does. Yeah, he did. No, he was just like he. He was somehow switched onto Eric Bledsoe, and then Reggie Jackson was trying to recover, and then Zaza just like, like <laughs> legit, like it looks like he's setting a screen on it. Yeah, muscle like, memory. Zaza was really good for like the first like forty games, and then uh, he like slowly mummif- was like more and more of a mummy <laughs> uh, over the last like forty games, and you could tell in the playoff series like he was not moving well it switched from nothing easy uh for the opponent to nothing easy for the tv's on <laughs> nothing easy for zasa it's always sad like i've seen it with a couple guys now when you can just tell like a, especially a big guy they just they lost it like they just can't move fast enough to be an nba player anymore the the bucks very brief run with spencer hawes like he made a couple threes i think but like we called him God, what do we call him? Like old stone legs or something? He just couldn't move. Oh, I do not remember that. Like if anybody tried to score, like you could like, you know how Giannis can like Euro step around, like even really good athletic guys, like literally anybody, you didn't even have to you just like dribble around him. And, and Spencer Hawes is just like, well, I'm out of this play. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, there's a fine line between being just athletic enough to be in the league and being like just a horrible, like, oh my God, this guy just does not have it. And, it, it happens, it, it can happen fast, and, and I think we saw it happen to Zaza that season. Sad for Zaza, but at least he's, uh, he lost the step he needed to slide under people. Um, <laughs> as I mentioned earlier, uh, in, this po- in, the, in, in Binge the Bucks, the Pistons won at least one quarter in every game this series, um, so attentive listeners will know that Detroit had to win the fourth quarter because they didn't win any of the first three. So the Pistons do win this one 25-19. 
Um, they only had a couple. Unfortunately, they started the quarter down what twenty two. Yeah, so, yeah. They, they did. So yeah, it was not enough to <laughs> not to enough. win the game, but they did win a quarter. And I feel like when you're when you're the eighth seed, you know, hang your hat on that. We didn't lose four consecutive quarters in any game. That's, hang the that's good. Hang the banner. That's the Knicks probably would. Um, Drummond padded those damn stats in this quarter. I, yeah. I, I I just kept looking up and see Andre Drummond dunking while no one is around or like. Nikola Mirotic basically counts as no one. And I was like, damn, he only had like 12, 13 points in this game. Andre really, really beefed up the numbers in this quarter. Oh, played yeah, the whole quarter, got six points. Pure garbage time. And like in the moment, I was remember thinking to myself like, okay, like, yes, this was bad. Yes, we're still going to lose this game. But like we, at least we got his confidence back in a decent place for game four. Not that that ended up mattering, but is, you know, you Andre was just such he's such a guy who like needs to have success in order for him to play well and so it was like the garbage stuff was actually legitimately useful it was very garbagey do not get me wrong <laughs> like a couple putbacks like a pick and roll dunk which is like never happening unless Brooke, Lo- uh, Brooke Lopez like doesn't want it to happen and so it's just like okay at least his head's right this, this game, uh, there was a sequence from kind of late-ish in this game. Pat Connaughton had the most insane layup, and it wasn't, like, insanely good. It was insanely, like, that shouldn't have worked. Like, he just about gets his pocket picked at the top of the key, and then he's, like, dribbling, like, barely has the handle. He goes up and, like, goes around somebody and just barely floats it in, and I was just like, you know, if Pat C's going to turn and make a play like that, I'd actually c- completely control the ball through an entire trip down the floor, which is pretty rare, and and then actually make a, a tough layup like this, things are just going to go the Bucks' way. Like that's if Pat C is pulling off stuff like that, that's a, a tough sign for Detroit. So I think that kind of, in a way, kind of summed up a lot of the series. Just like, oh, okay, Pat C is going to show up. Sterling Brown's going to show up, even if Giannis is off. Like if guys like that are going to play really well, good luck beating the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, Giannis. Yeah, just he had what fourteen points, ten rebounds, three assists. Ends with a minus seven in a game they win by sixteen. Like that's just that's so rough. Like that it was like you had said earlier, it was his worst game of the postseason, like by far. Yeah, it was yeah. nice to see the the rest of the team pick him up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, Middleton definitely. twenty points. Like obviously it was it was Middleton, Bledsoe, Brooke, and yeah. Uh, it was Ur- everyone. Yeah, it was Ur- everyone. had 15. Pat had 11. Uh, sorry, George Hill had 11. Miritich actually hit some shots for the first time in his life. Um, not salty at all. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was. It needed a collective team effort, and the team effort was there. I, I didn't remember this until uh, I was on the rewatch. But, uh, like, you know, we talked a lot about how this was the closest game of the series. Uh, the Pistons, you know, outscored the Bucks in the fourth quarter. Um, Ish made a three as time expired, down 19. <laughs> it's like, without that three, it's basically just another 20-point loss. <laughs> Ish Smith for the culture, baby. <laughs> it's like, feeling good. Ish made the three. All right, let's 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 go in the game. Oh, nope, series is over. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Well, what's crazy is like I went into this thinking, and I was like, let's get Laz for game three. It's the big Blake return moment, and I thought it was going to be like the closest game of the series. Totally forgot Detroit actually did really well in the first half of game four, but 
The second half of Game Four, not so much. Containing Giannis, not Oof. so much. Uh, we, we will we will get to that in the next episode. But uh, I am super glad we had you here for this, Laz. Quickly, let's do the uh, the series vibe. Um, like Rohan said, I think at the very beginning, I don't know if anyone really expected this to be a real series, but you do kind of, you know, you you got to take Game Three if you're down 0-2 to have a chance. I mean. We all love our 3-1 jokes, but 3-0 is like a whole different degree of difficulty. That is, of course, what happened here. I'm pretty sure we're all in agreement. Like, great to see Blake play well. The Pistons, especially early, we don't really, really, really gave it a run. Really, really kept it close for a while. But I think we can stick a fork in this series after this game. Oh, definitely. Uh, the Pistons were just a very uh, limited team uh, offensively. And that was really having only like a very few ways to attack the best defensive team in the league is like not a recipe for success in the postseason. And you saw them try to address a lot of that in the offseason as a direct result of uh, of this playoff series. You try you saw them try to add some shot making in Derrick Rose. You tried to see them add, you know, some length and athleticism in uh or more length than athleticism and like a tony <laughs> snell and like a markeith morris you saw them trying to you know add uh and replace the pieces that would have made this like a more competitive series this offseason uh in for you know the current regular season and it, it just never coalesced yeah which is ironic because that's exactly what happened the last time the pistons made the playoffs <laughs> <laughs> no you got to do what you got to do uh another note i had on this game specifically Chauncey Billups, not great. Like on the crew? Yeah, on the call. What happened with Chauncey on the I don't the call? know. I just, I, don't, I didn't like it. See, no, I remember because Chauncey was ripping Dre during the game. And like, you know, I was there live. I wasn't, you know, listening to the call. But like, that was the, that was the post-game, uh, like, radio story coming out of game three. It was like, it's like, look how much Dre sucks. It's like, even Chauncey, Pistons legend, is talking about how much Dre sucks. Dre sucks. It's like it's like not wrong again, not wrong. <laughs> just kind of being dicks about it for no reason. Yeah, I just I don't know. I I think it was partly that, and it was partly just like he was trying to be like a homer. I mean, I get why, but he was being a homer while also ripping the team that he's trying to be a homer <laughs> for. Like it just didn't work yeah. in any sense. Yeah, that that is the state of Pistons analysis for the most part. It's like. <laughs> I was like, I want this team to be good so badly, but God, they suck right in my eyes. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, when you're the eighth seed, that's kind of what happens. You know, I think the, the overwhelming theme from this game, from the Pistons side, if like the optimist take, the non-Chauncey optimist take, Chauncey, is Blake came back and was good. And that's something. Like, that matters. And, and that's cool. And, and he wanted to play and everything else. From the Bucks side, it was just like, well... We weathered one of their best punches. You know, we got we got through the bad Giannis game. Let's move on. Let's finish this thing off. And and we haven't talked about this at all. But that like the overarching theme for this for the Bucks off the court this series was let's wrap up Detroit so we can get Malcolm Brogdon integrated and get healthy for the next series. So um, that the Bucks were able to take care of business and do that for sure. There were times during this series where I like literally forgot that like they were missing a starting level player in Brogdon <laughs> and because it because they didn't need it it didn't matter no truly but of course the Pistons a bigger loss Blake for the first two games but 
Um, still definitely, definitely matters. So I think that's all I've got on this one. Unless, Laz, you have anything else? Rohan, we should be ready to take us home. No. Laz, do you have anything? Nah, man. Take it away. Okay. Well, we would like to thank you for listening to this episode of Binge the Bucks. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and subscribe on your platform of choice and tell your family and friends about the show if they need something to do during the social distancing period. Uh, once again, make sure you check out Laz and the Pistons vs. Everybody pod and the rest of the podcast on the Blue Wire Network. And uh, just make sure, please stay safe, everyone, and we will talk to you next time. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters, the more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.